Purdue will play its second exhibition this week after being on the road for a charity game at Arkansas on Saturday. Let's talk some hoops along with the challenges that await the football team on Golden Black Radio. I'm Kyle Charters, Brian Newbert, and Tom Deanhart here. Brian in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. The Boilermakers played their charity exhibition down in Arkansas on Saturday. Uh, Purdue did not win the game. <laughs> That's the way I'm going to say it, Brian, because I'm not going to say Purdue lost because it didn't matter. I did love the way that Tennessee tweeted out its game against Michigan State. I don't know if you saw that or just said didn't count. <laughs> that was that was good. Uh, no, I did not see that. <laughs> after I was they, driving after they actually, and flying all day yesterday. Yeah, they, they beat Michigan State, right? And they, they instead of – they had their usual scorecard, you know, that they tweet out, but instead of putting the actual score there, it just said didn't count, which I thought was And they good. won. And they, they won. won the yeah. game, and they yeah. didn't celebrate it. Good for them. Yeah. So Kansas, uh, Purdue, and uh, – Kansas, Purdue, Marquette, and uh, Michigan State all lost, huh? Yeah. Uh, cancel the seasons, you think, or, or should those teams Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I don't see – I. I think that they should take that week in Hawaii and just go sit on the beach. There's no <laughs> point in playing any games. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it's, that's uh, been, as I guess expected, some of the reaction uh, from a, a charity ex- exhibition that the reality is, Brian, that you, you can do nothing but take, I think, positives away from that experience. You're playing rather than, you know, a lower division team or one of these secret scrimmages you're playing a real game in front of real fans uh, with a real coach who's trying to coach against you. Uh, And, you know, Purdue's going to go in a lot of environments, charity game or not, in which the other team is, is treating the Boilermakers as their Super Bowl, I think. And, uh, you know, that happens to good teams, Purdue, Kansas, uh, Michigan state, you know, some of the others that you mentioned Uh, that's just the reality and I mean, I think the takeaway has to be that it was a good experience for Purdue, win or loss. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how it came across on SCC Plus for those who subscribed, but I, you kind of had to be there. Like it, it was, it was an honest to god um, Big Ten road game, and it wasn't just a Big Ten road game. It was a, it was a Big Ten road game at Michigan State or Indiana. The way that that place was lit up, and as energized as that place was, and as hard as Arkansas played because that's kind of how they do things. Um, I think it was a great experience for Purdue. I mean, it, it's I, I know people want to win these things. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Purdue's players wanted to win this thing. Um, but I do think there's more there's probably as much, if not more positive you can take in a loss than you can from a win because you you know so much of the season depends on Purdue's you know anger. And it's competitive edge, as Matt Painter calls it, and it's its ability to handle those situations where, like you said, Purdue was the Super Bowl. Yeah. And here was here was a first experience um in that very setting. And, you know, you had to win at the very end despite turning the ball over twenty times. And, you know, they're I'm standing here in the runway of the arena and they're watching film right now, and I'm sure they're I'm sure they're diagnosing a lot of stuff here that 
you know, they can really, really hammer away at um, and get better at. And uh, I think they'll take a lot of good from this. Yeah, the turnovers were the the big, uh, you know, the big thing that stood out negatively for Purdue. Um, that's going to be the key. If, if Purdue can keep that number closer to, to 10 or 12 rather than 20, it's going to make a big difference in some of these big games. Yeah, you know, it's, I think the most important point I just completely forgot about in that first, first answer is, you know, Purdue didn't scout this game. Purdue didn't prepare for this game the way it will games that count. And a scout board would have cleaned up a lot of the a lot of the defensive lapses, a lot of the probably some of the turnovers, you know, things like that. That said, had you scouted Arkansas, what are you scouting? They've got 10 guys who were playing for different teams last year, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know if they have 10 transfers on their team. I don't know how many of them were transferred in last year or whatever, but it's one of these, uh, it's one of these mercenary teams that, you know, you, you have to get used to playing against and not knowing as much about when you go play them. Um, and, uh, you know, Purdue just had, they, there'll be a big difference between what you see from Purdue when they've prepared for an opponent specifically and where the, when they're just out there playing. Now, I think, Obviously, in a game like this, you're adhering to your basic principles, you know, things like that. But you're not you're not diagnosing their personnel. You're not diagnosing anything systematic. You're not picking up on tendencies, you know, things like that. So when Purdue has actually, you know, spent a week scouting an opponent and preparing for an opponent, I think you'll see a much different product. What did you take away from a positive point of view? Uh well, I think they did some good things from an offensive perspective in pick and roll. I think, you know, Braden Smith looked aggressive, uh, you know, trying to score and made some big plays. And, um, you know, obviously the seven turnovers are kind of the counterweight to that and a pretty heavy counterweight. But um, I think he uh, I think he and Zach Eady looked to have a real synergy about them. I love the way Fletcher Lawyer played. I, I think Purdue has to be happy with how he played. Um, in terms of taking advantage of what he had to take advantage of against this specific opponent where they're going to body him up, they're going to really pressure him, and he has to dribble past them. And that's exactly what he did. And, you know, he's the least imposing guy on the floor, and he was one of the most one of the most influential, one of the most effective. And I think, I think that, was a, that was a really good first step for him this season. Uh, uh, I think that, you know, Purdue rebounded really well. Uh, they, I think they allowed one offensive rebound. Now, obviously, Arkansas shooting 51%. There weren't a ton of them to go around, and I don't know how much of Arkansas's formula is hitting the offensive glass, but um, anytime you dominate somebody on the offense, anytime you dominate somebody on the glass, it's a positive thing. Should be a strength for Purdue and obviously was in the first game. So um, those are some of the things right off the bat that kind of jump out. Yeah. Oh, I think that, you know, when you go back and look at I, – I don't want to call it a positive when you give up as many points as Purdue gave up, 81, and the opponent shoots 51%. But when you look at a lot of the shots Arkansas had to make, when you look at a lot of the contested jumpers Arkansas had to make, that's some stuff that a lot of teams just aren't going to make those shots. This was playground stuff, you know, and – you can prepare for an opponent as much as you want. And, you know, Purdue didn't prepare for these guys, but at the end of the day, a playground shot's a playground shot. And if they're going to make them, 
you know, it, 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 I'm not, you know, giving Purdue a pass here or giving up 81 points. And had they not turned the ball over so much, you know, this would have been a, and if Arkansas had made a few, fewer of these really low percentage shots they took, you know, you're all of a sudden sitting here looking at a 63 point, uh, Arkansas and you can definitely live with that. I know that's a lot of qualifiers, but just go back and watch some of these jumpers that these guys made, um, yeah. in simply one-on-one situations. Uh, you know, Purdue is built to kind of team defend as much as they are one-on-one defend. And sometimes they're a little bit, they're a little bit vulnerable to some of these heat check guys. And, you know, that's SEC basketball. It's just go give somebody the ball and let them do something. Um, so, uh, I think the sheer difficulty of a lot of what Arkansas had to do to score, I think, uh, was kind of a backhanded positive. Go look at the three that yeah. <laughs> that Trayvon Mark made to tie that game at the end of regulation. He's got yeah. Ethan Morton's hand in his face. He's got Zach Eady's hand in his face. Both of those guys are doing a great job testing the shot, getting through a screen, and not even flirting with a foul. And that might have been the best defense Purdue played on a possession all night. And the guy makes the shot. And, you know, um, I think there were some positives in an otherwise not all that attractive defensive, you know, uh, right. set of results for Purdue. I like what you said about Braden Smith. I feel like, you know, coming off last year, you do want him to be more aggressive, sort of try to put the pressure on the other team more at times this year than he did last year with being aggressive, uh, you know, in the half court and maybe in transition as well. You are going to get some turnovers with that. You don't want seven of them, uh, but playing that style, you're going to get some, I think, but, but you do want to see him sort of be aggressive and, and try to influence the game more than he did last year. And he did. Yeah. Some- I, you know, those threes that, that that he made off that high pick and roll with Zach Eady and that that um, kind of ISO he worked himself into to draw that late foul, that kind of stuff. Being on film is going to get Zach Eady some dunks this year. I promise you that um, because yeah. people are going to, you know, last year I think people were inclined to obviously for good reason uh, stick to Eady rolling the basket because they didn't want him hanging on the rim. We're tearing it down altogether. Now, I think you've given people a lot of reason to make sure that you've spread out your defense a little bit more as, you know, that ball gets downhill. And I think you actually saw it at one point. You saw uh, after Braden Smith had made a couple jumpers, uh, Edie's guy came over to contest the jumper and uh, Smith hit Edie for a dunk there in the, in the second half, I believe. And I just think that, you know, this is kind of a good microcosm of, you know, where Purdue needs to strike some balance, more balance than they had last year. Last year, they were top heavy from a productivity and from an emphasis perspective, and they just need things to kind of even out a little bit in terms of what defenses have to pay attention to. And I think Braden Smith's demeanor and his aggressiveness scoring is just a huge part of that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Brian. Yep. No problem. Let's bring in Tom Deanhart, talk a little bit of football after the uh, the Boilermakers lost over the weekend, headed to uh, the big house, take on Michigan this week. We'll do that in a moment. This is Golden Black Radio.
On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. The Boilermakers will move on to Michigan this week after a a tough one, of course, again, in Lincoln over the weekend. Purdue falls to Nebraska. Uh, Tom, man, uh, the the road gets even more difficult here uh, going (laughs) forward, uh, taking on the, the Michigan Wolverines, who are, I think, what, a 28 and a half point early favorite against the Boilermakers. And unfortunately for Purdue, there was not a lot in the loss to the Cornhuskers that you take away to make you feel positive or thinking that there could be an upset this weekend up in Ann Arbor. Not against that Michigan team. Now, Tyden Jenkins had a great game, right? I mean, that guy's really balling out this year. Dylan Thieneman looked good. The defense had its moments. But once again, they left that one big play. Uh, really kill them, that 73-yard touchdown uh, catch. So uh, they weren't totally eviscerated. Um, but, yeah, now you're going into a real den up there at the big house, right? I mean, <laughs> anybody who's got a pulse follow sports is well aware of what's going on with Michigan, its program, the scrutiny, the allegations of sign stealing. Uh, just talking to people up there, they've already circled the wagons and are pretty motivated by this. They don't think it's going to be a distraction uh, when the Boilermakers roll into town. And just a great team, Kyle. You know, talking to some other people, again, they think this defense is as good, if not better, than the 1997 defense that won the national title that Charles Woodson. Just a great line, a great interior. I mean, it's going to be such a mismatch between that D-line and Purdue's offensive line. Um, Just a steep hill to climb. We can go on and on. Every advantage features Michigan. Again, super motivated by all this off-field stuff unbeaten, coming off a bye week, thinking Big Ten title, thinking national title. This is a team on a mission, and Purdue's walking right into that den. Yeah, and it's got to be a a Michigan defense that feels like it is catching Purdue at the right time because the Boilermakers' offense is just really struggling in a lot of facets. It it really couldn't find uh, any sort of rhythm uh, against the Cornhuskers. Hasn't found... Uh, much consistency here the last three weeks it has played against good defenses but 
look, that's the reality. You play against good defenses often week in and week out uh, in the Big Ten. And there just wasn't a lot there offensively uh, for Purdue uh, against the Huskers. It, it just was – it was ugly at times, unfortunately. And and I don't know where Purdue now goes from here to try to write that so quickly against Michigan. No idea. 198 yards of offense is what they had Saturday in Lincoln. Obviously a season low. I mean, you know, Kyle, right out of the gate, that offense is set up with a turnover deep in Nebraska yeah. territory. The Huskers fumble the kickoff, but he recovers. Wow, here we go, right? Boilers are in business, set up within the shadow of the Nebraska goal line. Not only don't they go forward, they go backward and get nothing out of it. And happened again to start the second half. Um, so, yeah, that sort of set the, set the tone for what we saw all day there. Uh, on and on it went. And, yeah, you're right, Kyle. I mean – the offense is struggling in just about every facet. Um, you know, the lines beat up. Uh, springs a lot of leaks. I think Hudson Card's got to be a little gun shy, right? His confidence has to be shaken. He even got rattled and knocked out of the game for one series there in the second half. Uh, it seems like the receivers just aren't ever open, too, Kyle. It seems like Hudson Card's always dropping back and frantically looking for somebody, looking, looking, looking. Nothing's there. He's trying to buy time. He gets sacked, throws it away. Forces a pass. It seems like it's a something we see on repeat over and over again. So yeah, it's been a real slog. And 28 points is what this offense has scored the last three games. Remember, the defense scored a touchdown Saturday. So 28 points uh, against Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska. This offense has scored. So and here <laughs> here comes Michigan. The defense is better than all three of those. So I mean, I, I feel for those coaches. I guess that's why you get paid a lot of money, eight nine hundred thousand dollars a year. To try to figure something out. That's that's what you do. This is coaching. You got you got to figure out what your guys can do, what they can be successful with. I mean, this is a mega steep hill. Just to the just some real quick research I did this morning. It doesn't go back too far. Maybe five or six years. Cal, the last time Purdue was this heavy of a favorite was when when they went to Penn State, 2019. They were they were a 28 point underdog. So again, this is a this is rare air for Purdue to be a four touchdown underdog. Yeah, it seems like it's a little bit of everything, as you said, right? I mean, I don't know that you can put all the blame on Hudson Card. You can't put all the blame on on uh, the offensive line, uh, on the receivers, uh, on the tight ends, on the offensive coaching staff. There's uh, there's enough criticism, I think, there uh, to go all around. And it all interacts together. I mean, it just uh, sure. that's the way football works. And so they're going to have to find answers together. I, I think you're right. Uh, the two plays to me that were sort of indicative of the whole game offensively for the Boilermakers were the inability to score off the turnover at the start of the game. And then the inability to score off the turnover uh, on Nebraska's first possession of the third quarter, which could have gotten Purdue back into the game. And, you know, you go from in great field position with the football down by 14, a chance to store a score after a turnover uh, to what a three and out a big sack, on the third down, then a blocked field goal for a touchdown. And suddenly you go from thinking it's going to be 14 to seven to it's 21 to nothing. And at that point, you know, Purdue really had an uphill climb to get back into the game. It did maybe briefly after the defensive score, but only briefly. Um, and those were the big moments. And, and Purdue just was not able to take advantage of opportunities uh, in that game against Nebraska. If they don't take advantage of opportunities against Michigan, uh, you know, even with those opportunities, they might have trouble. But man, if Michigan gives yeah. them chances like that, they've got to they've got to capitalize. 
Yeah, you always do. You, you, you need those big plays for scores, Kyle. And there were was almost zero big plays. They had one pass play over 15 yards. Yeah. It was that 29-yard TD pass to Jaden Dixon. He made a spectacular catch. He can make it happen, right? There were only two runs over 10 yards, both by Mockaby, and one he fumbled at the end of it. So, I mean, again, I, I know Nebraska's defense is good. Uh, hard to get big plays, but, boy, uh, big plays are key. Remember this, too, Kyle. Nebraska even gifted them four or four turnovers, four lost fumbles. I know Purdue had their turnovers, but Purdue won that turnover battle with a plus one and still sort of got ran off the field there. So, And then you talked about the field goal, right? My gosh. Um, just, just when you think it couldn't get any worse but through the kicking, it gets worse. And I guess the hold, they had problems with the hold. wasn't necessarily Ben Freehill's fault, but still just exasperating. Now five misses in a row for this team. They didn't make one field goal in the month of October. Um, where do they go next? I don't know. But again, to me, that was, that was, a you know, a, a, a death blow early in the second half when, when that happened, Boy, what a deflating experience to get hear that double thud and see the other team running the other way for six points and just a killer. Yeah. Not the best hole. Look like, uh, the Cornhuskers got a little bit of pressure up the middle as well. The combination was, uh, was not good for Purdue. I thought in a lot of ways, Tom, the defense played well enough to win. Um, yeah, you know those two outside linebackers were really good. Kytron Jenkins and Nick Scorton were great. Dylan Thieneman was really good. Uh, man, that trio was excellent and made a lot mm-hmm. of plays, gave Purdue chances, and unfortunately, uh, you know, as Ryan Walter said after the game, complimentary football, and and you know, Purdue just couldn't get it done with getting points on the board. But man, that defense was was running hard and and yeah. playing hard and, and making some plays. Yeah, they only. I think Nebraska only had maybe maybe 300 yards of offense, not a lot. Plus that one was that defensive uh, uh, the, the score off the special team. So you're right. I thought the defense acquitted itself fairly well overall. But you know now Purdue's been beaten by a quarterback named Deacon Hill and a quarterback named Heinrich Harburg, um, <laughs> two guys that were on nobody's radar, two extremely limited quarterbacks who can't really pass the football at all. Two offenses you basically know what's coming. Two offenses, you know, hey, do not give up any big play. And Purdue's unable to do either against both those teams. Two very beatable teams, Kyle, on the road. That Iowa team was begging to be beat. Yeah. And Nebraska's not even – Nebraska's so limited, Kyle, on offense. My gosh. So, again, um, just two games you thought, man, Purdue, Purdue could really get these wins on the road. And it certainly didn't happen. So, now they're staring up at two and six. Lose Saturday, and obviously your bull hopes are dashed. So, yeah, I mean, then you got to regroup and try to slog through those last three games, Minnesota, Northwestern, IU. So what do you try to do offensively this week? And in my opinion, you've got to do something to, like, roll the offensive line, like cut the field in half, Yeah, give, give Hudson Card a couple of options. If they're not there, run. Uh, you know, that, to me, that's that's the counter. Because you're, you're right, you said it earlier, Purdue's going to have trouble holding up on the line of scrimmage against that defensive front for Michigan. I think your your options are to roll that pocket. Give him give the quarterback card a, a couple of options, and then if they're not there, just run the football and see if you can keep drive uh, drives alive uh, like that and, and keep uh, Michigan off the field offensively and just try to keep it as low scoring mm-hmm. and as close a game for as long as possible. Yeah, you're right. J.J. Uh, McCarthy's playing awfully well for Michigan. True, true Heisman Trophy candidate. He's been the real linchpin this year, just like last year. They're not running the ball as well as they did last year with Donovan Edwards and company. 
but still McCarthy's just really taking his passing game to another level. So you're right. You want to try to keep that offense off the field as long and as often as you can. How do you do that? That, that, that? That's the conundrum for Purdue, right? And I think you have some good ideas. The sort of roll in the pocket, uh, playing to one third of the field, um, because the teeth of that Michigan defense is going to be too tough to try to run right at and do straight drop back. So I'm with you, Kyle. So to try to drop back, work the edges, quick pass game, get the ball out of your hands as quickly as you can, try to sustain drives and set up some big plays where you can take some shots over the top. It's a it's a tall task, but um, who knows? Uh, we've seen crazier things happen. But again, the Boilermakers and that staff certainly have their work cut out for them here. Tall task, but they will play the football game uh, late on Saturday night up there in Ann Arbor. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart, I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.